Question, is it possible to deliver men from sorcery? Answer, only if what is called scientific and it's exposed as a lie and that person repents. How many people believe without question what is said simply because it was written by a great man in academia? How many thousands believe at once without proof? Is it not as hard to turn men from the worship of their fellow man, as a Hindu worships sticks and stones? The scientific favorites of newspaper scribblers are larded over with flattery until the reputation of greatness is attained, and to argue against pet scientific fictions is only to provoke silly jesting or astonishment at the presumption of daring to differ from the scientific slave drivers. Will any of their slaves of science dare to be free, or use their common sense? Is geology not a tissue of suppositions from beginning to end? Let us see. How do the geologists manage to get dupes? Some disguised infidel who has had sufficient influence to obtain a professorship in a college writes a book about the creation, in which he attempts to prove to the entire satisfaction of atheistic journalists that the world made itself without the help of God at all. Of course the blasphemous character of the book is carefully veiled, less soft-headed religionists take alarm, and the book does not sell. Perhaps even a pious wine is dropped so that the work of Judas may be done more effectually, and the author is reputed a very great man, for all the newspapers say it. By way of preface astronomy is appealed to as a science so well established that none but fools object to it, therefore, the reader must imagine all the vast continents and oceans making up a ball no larger than the schoolroom globe. Next he is assured that recent researches in science have proved that those lights, the sun, moon, and stars, consist of the very same constituents as the earth and sea, as well as the nebula, which science supposes to be clouds of glowing gas. So all these must have had a common origin, and, therefore, the simpleton must next imagine the schoolroom globe along with sun, moon, and stars, changed, into a quantity of fiery gas. In the beginning, how many million years ago science cannot yet decide, was gas, is the dogma of geologists. He dare not ask about the origin of the gas itself. Then the mesmerist requires him to suppose that all the fiery mass very conveniently began to cool, particularly a quantity in the center, which also whirled about until it became the sun. The victim of duplicity is next to suppose that other quantities also cooled until they changed into planets. Especially one quantity went on cooling until it conveniently became the earth ball with a rocky crust, and though on fire originally, yet a portion of it changed into all the oceans and seas. In the study of science, says Dr. Dick in his book on geology, one is permitted to suppose anything if he will but remember and acknowledge to others that he only makes suppositions, will give reasons to show that his suppositions may be true and be ready at any time to give up his suppositions when facts go against them. The last of these two suppositions, namely, the gradual cooling of the world from a state of intense heat, is often made by those who wish to form to themselves a notion of how the rocks and rivers, mountains, and plains of the world have been brought to exist as they are. Can the foolish geologists, instead of making these absurd suppositions, not believe the fact that God made the world as stated on God's own authority? Instead, however, of opening their eyes they further suppose that despite the cooling, as much fire remained inside the ball as heaved up the rocky crust into mountain chains, whilst the waters went on channeling and leveling so as to make all the river and ocean beds. Then the rivers would carry down to lakes and seas matter containing animal and vegetable remains to form sediment, which we must suppose hardened after millions of years into rocks, especially the stratified ones, the UN stratified rock being supposed due to the original fire. All these atheistic suppositions are expressed in words of Greek origin so as to amaze the gaping simpleton. The rocks immediately above the UN stratified are called metamorphic. Next in ascending order are the Paleozoic or primary, the Mesozoic or secondary, the Cainozoic including the tertiary and quaternary. The guesses about fossils make up paleontology. Now let it be observed that not one of these suppositions is even probable. 
Whoever saw gas changed into granite, or a fiery vapor into water, or a river channel its own bed? Is there within the memory of mankind one considerable mountain more or less on the earth, notwithstanding volcanic eruptions and earthquakes, one considerable country more or less, or what continent has materially changed its shape? What do fossils prove? The following is a confession from Scarchley's Geology, page 101, so imperfect is the record of the earth's history, as told in these rocks, that we can never hope to fill up completely all the gaps in the chain of life. The testimony of the rocks has been well compared to a history of which only a few imperfect volumes remain to us, the missing portions of which we can only fill up by conjecture. What botanist but would despair of restoring the vegetation of wood and field from the dry leaves that autumn scatters? Yet from less than this the geologist has to form all his ideas of past floras. Can we wonder then at the imperfection of the geological world? Indeed it is confessed that the age of the fossil is not determined by the degree of its petrifaction, but by the age of the rock in which it is embedded, and the age of the rock by its position among the strata. Have men in these last days become so still that with old bones and stones, and footmarks, they may be led to deny the very God that made them? But was not this folly foretold ages ago by the inspired Hebrew prophets?